Well, what a uh, terrific uh, Easter message that we've heard already and understand that God's great love for us. I want to remind you that, that Easter is a message of God's love to you, that he reaches out to us and wants to touch us and, and wants to be with us. And on Friday, we had a glorious and moving and powerful time together as we looked at the day of pain. And we talked about what Jesus Christ traveled through on the day of pain. That in our own journeys, we understand that we travel through days of pain and days of difficulty. And I like to think of Friday as the day of pain. I like to think of um, Saturday as the day of grief, if you like, and questions about what is going on and what is taking place. And, I, and Sunday, of course, is the day of joy. And when you look at that cycle, you understand that this teaches us that very often Jesus showed us that our own lives are like that. Sometimes in our own lives, we go through those very difficult times of pain. And yet, after the pain comes all the questions, why? What on earth is taking place? What is happening? And then, of course, we hope and we pray and with God's power and God's strength, we move on to the day of joy and victory, which Easter is all about. And I want you to understand something that the disciples on, on Saturday, let me start the story there on the day of grief and the day of questions. They wondered what on earth was going on. I mean, the world was suddenly uh, been turned upside down. They had trusted this Jesus. They had believed in him. They had seen him do incredible miracles. They had seen him move in power and move in strength. And now he's nailed to a cross. And now his body's been taken down. And now he's been placed in a tomb. What's going on? Peter said, I'll never, I'll never betray you. They're disorientated. A day of loss. A day of questions. Do you know, many of us I know live in the day of questions and the day of grief. We live in that time when it feels as if life has just gone wrong. I mean, what's happened? Maybe it was that job that you got. You remembered that and you're thinking, I had so many hopes, so many opportunities, and yet it went, oh, so dreadfully wrong. Maybe it was... That business that you started, and, and it, it didn't thrive how you imagined, and you faced the pressure of, of bankruptcy. Maybe it was that wedding chapel where you started life off, and suddenly you had so many high hopes, but you know that, that today, that, that that relationship did not go the way that it expected, and you feel grief. You feel disorientated. You feel pain. It can be numerous, numerous experiences that Saturday, the day of grief, brings to us. And this is what happened. It, it, it brought this, this pain. And then Jesus told, me, told them, this very night you will fall away on account of me, for it is written. And suddenly the shepherd was struck, the sheep were scattered, and they found themselves lost, hopeless. The shepherd had gone. And yet Jesus had told them this. He said, this is going to happen. This is actually going to take place. And maybe as they thought about this and they, they wondered, 
And Jesus said in, in John chapter 16 and verse 16, he says, I'm here with you. I'm going to disappear. But you know what? I'm going to return again. And that is our, our hope and our belief. And of course, sometimes we feel exactly that. We, we, we know that and we understand it. And Jesus went on and said, I'm, 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 but you know, I'm, I'm going to be with you. It's going to be okay. There is hope at the end of this. There is, and I want you to understand this, that there is real hope in our message because Jesus Christ has risen again. I want to remind you that you may be living in the day of questions. I mean, they looked at Jesus on the cross and what did people shout? They said, he saved others. Let's see if he could save himself. He did all of that miracles. He was amazing. And maybe amongst that crowd as they threw insults at him, as they spoke to him in a disparaging way and they said, look, Maybe in that crowd there was somebody that shook and said, yeah. He saved me. I was condemned to be stoned to death as an adulteress, but he brought me forgiveness. He saved me. Maybe in that crowd there was somebody that said, yes, I was on the road. Just there on the roadside, blind. And he came and he walked and he touched me. <clears throat> and I can see him hanging on that cross, but he saved me. Maybe there was somebody else there saying, yes, I was even dead, but he brought me back to life. He saved many others, but let's see if he can save himself. But Jesus said to them in John 16, verse 16, I'm here now, I'm going to be gone, but you know what? I will return. You'll see me again in a while. And this was confusing for them. How can we see you again in a while? And, and John goes on to say that very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. And on that day on the cross, boy, did the world rejoice. You will grieve. They grieved as they saw Jesus hanging on that cross. But the world rejoiced. For the, for the Romans, a job well done. For those around, we've got it sorted. It's all under control now. It's completely sorted. But he says to them, while the world rejoices, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Look at that. Your grief will turn to joy. That is the promise of the resurrection. That your grief will turn to joy. That when you travel through the most difficult and the most hard times, that your grief will turn to joy. That he will be with you. Verse 22 says, so with you now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. That is the promise for you. You grieve today, but I, you will see me again. This is the answer which is Easter. This is the answer that is Christ. This is the answer because of the resurrection. He says you grieve today, but you will not grieve again. And no one is going to take away your joy. This little phrase, take away your joy, it's, it has an image of an anchor that has been... Uh, placed in the ocean with a boat and, and, and you pull up the anchor. And what he's actually saying is 
because of me, one day a time will come when an anchor will go deep and you will never lose this anchor because my joy, my strength will hold you firm in the storms of life. You will no longer drift. You will no longer be in danger of being crashed on the rocks of life. But I tell you what, I am with you. I am with you. I have gone away now, but on the third day I will rise again and I will give you a joy and this joy will sustain you for life. And that anchor will go deep. And in your life, in your problems, in your difficulty, you will know an anchor that is there for you. Friends, that is there for every one of us. It's amazing. And let's be honest, in today's world where this morning in Belgium churches, sermons were preached, churches were packed as they grappled again with a hideous terrorist attack. You wonder where the anchor for life really is in the world that we live in. You wonder where the answer is. The anchor and the answer is in Jesus Christ. The anchor and the answer is in the joy that the risen Christ can give you, even though the world is falling to pieces. He has died. He has risen. And we will live again because of Christ Jesus. That is our anchor. And I understand that it can feel so difficult. You see, this is what's on the tin of Christianity. Is that he promises that those who grieve in Zion will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You know, what Easter tells us is that He will give us joy instead of mourning. He will give us a spirit of praise instead of despair in our lives. This relationship with Christ is so incredible. What does does the resurrection mean to me? Well, first of all, when I think about the resurrection... Very simply, what it means to me is that it gives me an assurance about life after death. It gives me assurance that because Christ has risen, we too will rise and live again. You see, what happened with the disciples is that they didn't fear anything anymore. They weren't worried about anything anymore. Why? Well, very simply, because they knew that their Saviour had conquered death itself. They knew that their saviour had conquered sin. They knew that their saviour had gone through all of the pain of humanity, gone through death itself. And then on the third day, in a bodily form, he was resurrected. So that was a down payment on what all humanity can have in Christ Jesus. It was there for you. Now people, we know that there's a sense in our lives that we should live forever. We know that there's something missing. Humans know this. I was even watching a a documentary the other day, and and, and it's believable because it was made by the BBC, of course. And (laughs) and it was was about about a, a billionaire Russian oligarch who had spent half of his wealth putting into... Uh, scientific research so that they could take his brain and his, his, 
um, his chemicals and the electrodes in his brain, and they could try and research a way to upload his brain onto a computer server so he could live there. He spent half of his wealth doing this. I mean, it's not going to work. And... It's not going to work because you are not going to live forever because you've been able to map the human brain and load your brain into a computer and then you can be there forever in your life. That is not the best. That is the worst. The best is that through the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that we die and then we're in his glorious presence and then one day the dead in Christ will rise and you will have a new body in a new eternity with a new heaven and a new new earth. That is God's best for us. And yet people are spending millions, billions to try and work out. Of course, there was a famous film, Transcendent, exactly about that, about trying to preserve your life forever. You can only preserve your life forever when you follow the one who has done it first. He's done it. And that's why you can trust it. That's why the disciples in their day of grief were so full of of, um, a sense of God, a sense of fearlessness, a sense of boldness in life because Jesus Christ had done it. So if the resurrection gives me an assurance of life after death, the resurrection also gives me an assurance that I will get through my pain today. Because he got through it. That wherever you are at in your journey in life, I want to just explain to you the very message of Christianity is that we serve a saviour. And he went through the three days to the Easter Sunday, the day of resurrection. And that gives me hope that what you're facing today in your life, you can get through. You can make it. God is with you. On this day, what you can do, you can step in and you can know God's utter, his greatness. I always reminded of the, um, when I think of the day of joy, I'm always reminded of that that beautiful little story. That that in, in John 11, about the story of Lazarus. Of course, he's dead. And if you don't know the story, a dear friend of Jesus had died and the two sisters were weeping and they sent for Jesus, but he didn't arrive. He was now in the tomb. And there is pain and there is agony and there is difficulty. And he comes to the sisters and he looks at them in the middle of what they're facing and says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Believe this. That because he's the resurrection, when you believe in him, even though you die, you will live. Do you believe this, he asked? See, believing in the resurrection of Christ, in the bodily resurrection, is the key to the power of salvation. It's the key to successful Christian living. It's the key to understanding that he can make such a difference in our lives. 
But what does this all mean practically? You're sat here and you're thinking, okay, Pastor Phil, there you are preaching. You seem a nice guy. You know, you're wearing a tie. Well done. And you look like you're getting married. Hallelujah. 12 o'clock, darling. And, and it's unusual. And, and well, does this all mean practically you've preached it up a bit, you've given it a bit, you know, hurrah. And I'm sitting here, I don't come always at Easter. But, you know, I'm here today. Some of you are here because you feel obliged to be here. I get that. That's great. We're just glad you're here. But what does it really mean? What does the resurrection of Christ give to you in your everyday life? Well, first of all, I want to tell you that the resurrection tells me this. It tells me that I can reach out to the peace of Jesus. What the resurrection gives is peace. It gives peace of mind. It gives peace of our future. It gives us a sense that knowing Jesus brings that peace in our lives. It is remarkable. And I wanted, when Jesus rose from the dead and he met with Mary Magdalene, he met with Mary, met with his disciples, they were disorientated. And what by his presence did his presence give to them? His presence gave them immense peace. And we can reach out for that peace. When you meet Christ, it's like a a beautiful moment. A moment where his peace comes to us and we suddenly know how this universe and the way life falls into place. And that gives us peace. When I was young, it it reminded me of this moment. I was... um, I was sent to a private school to be educated. <laughs> you can tell, can't you? And an English one. Don't let that impress you because I was expelled. But, um, <laughs> but later let back in. But we, we did something. We, would, we were taken to Northern Scotland, to the Western Isles. I was about 13 years old. And, and we were staying on a small island called the Fiola which is just some miles north of uh, uh, Jura and the, the, those islands there. And, and then we were rock climbing and canoeing. But part of this adventure, to toughen us up as young English boys, was to take us in pairs and drop us on isolated Scottish islands with nobody on them. Just small islands, some of them just the size of this church area here. And leave us for two days. You know... Because that would help us in life. <laughs> You'd never get the insurance today. And, and that we were sat there. What, what did we do? I mean, there's no internet. There was no, even internet didn't exist. Uh, and that was, oh, I'm trying to work out when it was. It was probably 1970-something. Anyway. And I was freezing. I was so cold. And we get through the night and it was freezing cold and the Scottish wind was blowing and it was tough. And it was horrible. And I hated my teachers. And, <laughs> and I think they hated us. And, and all of a sudden, that moment happened. And the next day I longed for that moment. All I wanted was to get through the night and feel the heat of the sun. Because when you've camped in the wilderness and you've been out in the bush 
and it's been freezing cold, when that sun rises in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the wilderness, the warmth brings such joy. I remember the emotion and the feeling. And for me in life, yes, I travel through dark nights. Yes, you travel through dark nights. But there's something in the resurrection of the power of Jesus that we feel the risen Lord and his light touches us and he gives us joy. He gives us victory. He gives us hope. He promises us that if you walk through the waters, he'll be with you. You'll not sink. If you go through the rivers, you'll not be swept away. If you walk through the fire, he'll be with you. And even if you are abandoned on a little Scottish island, the sun rises and you know that there's a new day. For some of you, you know that you need a new day. Second thing the resurrection gives me is a very deep sense that I can remember his promises to me. See, he promised he'd return to them and he kept his promise. You see, it was promised in the Old Testament that he would be born of a virgin and he kept his promise. You see, God can and will keep the promises for you. He loves you. He cares for you. And the wonder of of the resurrection is that we serve a God who keeps his promises. That he loves us. He cares for us. I I love this photograph. Uh, it's, It's a little flower. You see, this little flower is pretty special because... This flower is found, it was actually taken by Scott Kelly, an American astronaut, on January the 16th uh, this year, 2016. And this is in the International Space Station. And I saw this and I I thought, wow, I'm a bit of a a sci-fi space geek. You may not know that about me. Yes, it's true. I was lining up to go and see Star Wars this Christmas. Yes, I did, and I I cried at the end. But, I'm sorry, that was a moving moment. Anyway, I won't spoil it for you if you're waiting to watch it on sure demand. But, I I, I love this, and I looked at this because I follow NASA. (laughs) Geek alert. And... And this flower has been grown on the International Space Station. I just looked at this. I thought, that is a moment. Amazing. It's life. But you know what that spoke to me about? It spoke promise. It spoke that even 400 kilometers in the sky, traveling at 7.6 kilometers a second, and it comes over my house every August in Rutland. comes, I watch it every August, and they wave at me. And, <laughs> but in the middle of that tin can, in the middle of space, in that dark vacuum, in the middle of, of the, you know, it's not like the movies. If things go wrong out there, they really go wrong. You know, you think... 
you watch films like The Martian and this, oh, you can just you know, move from one capsule to another. It's going to be fine. It takes them about three hours to even dock a capsule to because they, they don't want any mistakes. But right there, right at that moment, there is a, there's a flower. And in the vacuum of your life and in the coldness of the journey that you're on, I want to tell you that in your heart, what the resurrection gives, it gives you promises that there is life, that there is hope, that there is future. Do you know there are 7,000 promises in the Bible? Now, you may say, wow, and I believe, yes, they're there for us. Not all of them, of course. There are some promises that you may not want. I mean, to Sarah, God promised her that she would give birth to a child, and she was 90. Who wants to claim that promise? <laughs> Peter walked on water once. <laughs> and then the next time we see him, he uses a boat. But you know, more than that, there are 7,000 promises that are there for you to keep you going through life because he wants to be with you and he does not break his promise. He rose on the third day. He's not going to break his promise to you. But there is also something that there are 100, there are actually 31,000 verses. Well, to be the exact, 31,102 verses in the Bible. All of those verses in the Old Testament and New, 31,000. Do you know when I read the Bible with 31,000 verses, God speaks to me through those verses. There may be 7,000 promises, but there's 31,000 verses just waiting to give you peace, to give you hope, to give you direction. And maybe the reason you don't know God's voice in your life is because you've given up reading the Bible. Maybe you're not feeling the promises in the middle of your space because you've forgotten what it is to open the Scriptures and to read it. The resurrection speaks of promise. I know it's hard to understand when we go through tough times. Sometimes I feel like in God's plan, I look at my life, I feel like an ant trying to understand the internet. It's just impossible. And I look at this, or I feel like in God's great movie of creation and history and time, I am one tiny little pixel. And I've got to trust him. I've got to trust his promises. I've got to trust his plan. I've got to trust that he's got it all under control. And that's what the resurrection gives me. It gives me that sense of deep knowing that I can, I can reach out for his peace in every day of my life. I can remember the promises that God has given me and that he wants to speak to me continuously through the Bible and through his spirit and whisper into my heart and have that relationship and that closeness. That's there. You see, the promises are there. It's a bit like having the checks in the mailbox, but you never go out to the mailbox and get the checks and bank them. The promises are there for you. And because he rose again, you can live a life of promise. You can live a life of hope. You can live a life of knowing that it's eternal. 
third thing it gives me, I guess, is I can rely on the power of Jesus. You know, the subject of the... The subject of the resurrection just takes my breath away sometimes. Because the resurrection is a... It's an experience that comes by revelation to a Christian in your heart that you just know it's true. You know it's true. You know it's true. Thinking about the... um, Back to the space station for a moment. Do you know, NASA were a bit confused why it was taking twice as long for their space walks. You know, they're supposed to take two hours to mend something and it was taking three hours or four hours. And they couldn't work it out and after a while they worked it and they worked it and they thought it through and they discovered that the reason it was taking so long was the astronauts would just pause and they would just stare they couldn't believe what they were seeing. Wow. You're thinking, that's amazing. And Pastor Phil, you've got too much time on your hands. Um, <laughs> but it's amazing. And you know what NASA calls it? They called it the awe moment. And now in NASA's um, planning, when they do a job and walk in space, they plan moments of awe into the schedule. It's going to take two hours, but it's actually going to take three hours because of the awe experience. You know, when I look at the resurrection, it gives me the deepest sense of awe. That the son of the living God rose from the grave. And that I can reach out and rely on the power of Jesus. You see, something knowing about the facts of the Bible, it's something knowing about the Bible and about Jesus. It's, you know, we may know and have knowledge, but when we actually are there and we see it and we understand it in our heart, wow. We rely on its power the power of Christ dwelling in every Christian. Maybe you're not a Christian, but I want to affirm this is all available to you. You can reach out to the peace of Jesus in your life. You can, you can experience the knowledge that as you read the Bible and understand it, as you listen to God's whisper that he wants to speak to every one of us, he wants to speak promises and good things over our lives and hope and goodness and that we can rely on the days when we feel so weak. We can rely on God's presence and God's power within our lives. Don't just know about it, experience it. You may know the facts. You may know the history. You may know all of the historical, archaeological proof behind the resurrection. All of the facts that make us all sensible, deep-thinking academics understand that the resurrection must have happened. And last year I preached on that. But there's something about just knowing it and there's something about experiencing it. My little boy, his name's Josiah. He's great. He's nine. And we, he loves dinosaurs. I mean, what, what nine-year-old doesn't love a good dinosaur? All of that. 
power and strength. And he particularly loves T-Rex. Loves. And so we went to London this Christmas and we were visiting home and we were... um, we went down on a train. I said, where do you want to go? He said, I want to go to the Natural History Museum. I want to go and see the dinosaurs. And he's, he's so amazing and so... You, we all think our kids are amazing, don't we? He's just like, giving me all these facts, telling me everything about the dinosaur. It's amazing. I couldn't shut him up. And we were on the underground. We're going towards the National History Museum. Do you realise that the T-Rex has got... His, his head is like four foot long. Dad... Four foot, 200 teeth. Yes, just talking and talking. I don't know where he gets it from. And <laughs> do you realise that it can eat in one bite 500 pounds of flesh? That's a fact. It's 40 foot long and we're going through. And we're looking at the facts and we're talking about the facts and we're doing this and we're Instagramming the facts and we're walking through. But what he didn't realise was that just round the corner, the National History Museum, they have a full-size T-Rex. And it moves. (laughs) Oh, yes. And built into it, it has Dolby stereo system that when it roars, and it has dark lighting all around it. And he's going, <laughs> love it. And then we walk around the corner. And he's faced with the T-Rex. He was very quiet. <laughs> he looked at it and then it got going because it sensed that you'd entered the room. This little box room, and it's full size, 40 foot long, 4 foot long head. It's got the lot. And you look at it, and then it roars. He didn't say anything. (laughs) He was in front of me, and then slowly he went behind me. (laughs) You see, there is one thing. Knowing the facts, there is another experience in the reality of the presence. And I don't want you just to know the facts of Christianity. I want to tell you that you can experience the presence. You can experience the awe moment that he had. (laughs) The moment when we just stood there and after a while we got used to it and we were climbing over and taking more photos for Instagram. But you can reach out to the peace of Jesus. You can remember the promises of Jesus. And you can rely on the power of Jesus. How does this all start? It starts by giving your life to Christ. By simply Praying, actually, what this verse says. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you believe this and you confess your sins, he will forgive you and he will change your life. 
why don't we pause for a moment and let me pray a prayer that this morning you may want to reach out and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Let's pray together. Think of that verse. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Dear Lord Jesus, we want to believe in you as our saviour. We give our lives to you. Lives to you. And we ask you to forgive us. Come into our lives and change us. As you gave yourself for me on the cross, I give myself to you. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And I reach out to you this Easter morning. Just pause for a moment. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will move lives, reaffirm deep commitment in lives and hearts, and bring your hope and your presence, Lord, I ask. Amen. If you've made this decision to follow Christ, we've got some decision packs here. We've got a New Believers Bible. We've got a journal, we've got two DVDs, one of last year's Easter sermon which spoke about the historical proof of the resurrection and also a DVD on how to hear God's voice in your life. So you can start to put it into practice straight away. We've got loads of them and we want to invite you that as you leave that you would be willing to take one of these and step in. Maybe you want to talk to somebody, you could Go into our far side room and there is people there to pray with you. Whatever you're facing in life, this morning we're available to help you and minister the peace of Jesus into your life. But I have often thought, you can also join an alpha group. This is the understanding of Christianity and we're starting one in a few weeks' time, and you can sign up for that. But I've often thought, if Jesus wrote a letter to death, what would he say? Maybe when death looked at Jesus hanging on the cross, he could have mocked him, he spoke to him. I mean, how, how, look at you. You are dying. You have nothing to offer. You are... Bleeding and you are irrelevant. You speak about hope and forgiveness and all of that, but now you're dead. Death could have and did throw a lot at Jesus. But if Jesus was to write a letter to death, what would he say to it? What would he say? What would he remind death about? Watch this screen as we 
draw to a close of our service and, and hear a letter Jesus wrote to death. Dear Death, I got your letter. My apologies for it taking a few days to write back. I had some important work to finish. I know you weren't expecting me to reply, but I'm always eager to provide the answer to a good question. Who do I think I am? I'll tell you who I am. I am the eternity before history. I am the potter who spun the galaxies. I am the spirit over the deep and the one who tells mountains to migrate. I am the cloud of day, the fire of night. I am the co-conspirator behind the scandal of grace. I am the keeper of the books. I am well aware of the debts that line the pages of every generation and today I am stamping each and every one of them paid in full. Who do I think I am? I'll tell you. I am the just and furious wrath that makes hell look like a campfire. And I am the towering wave of mercy that can quench its thirsty flame. I am the billowing storm of love that sits on every horizon. And my goodness rains down on both the wicked and the righteous. I am the redeemer of wasted years. I am the welcome home to every prodigal son. I am the voice in the ear of every young girl whispering, I created you, and you were created beautiful. I am faithful even to the faithless. My name is salvation. My name is power, even power over you. Do you really want to know who I am? I am the foot on your head. I am the spear in your side. I am the one author of this story. I am the one holding the pen. And I will block you out with a single stroke of my hand. I will have the last word because I am the word. And death, I am here to give you a word. On Friday, you weren't attending my funeral. You were attending yours. The nails in my hand will be the ones in your coffin. And just to be clear, I was not a victim of human plans and I was certainly never a slave to you. I am the victor. I am the master. I am the one who sets the captives free. And not only have I broken your grip on me, but I will pry your fingers from all who call my name. You are done. You are powerless. Your work is null and void. Pack up your bags. Go and tell your friends. It is finished. And in case you're still wondering, who do I think I am? I'll tell you who. I am. Sincerely, Jesus. Jesus.